This episode is brought to you by Brothers and Bonds Co. With an expertly curated line of Masonic apparel, gifts, and accessories, we're excited to show you what makes us uniquely Brothers and Bonds. As a listener of this podcast, we're offering you 10% off your first order with us. Just use code TRAVELINGMAN at checkout. That's uppercase, all one word, T-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-G-M-A-N. Be sure to find us on Instagram or at brothersandbonds.com. Hello, welcome to episode 75 of the Traveling Man Masonic Podcast here in the 24th District of Ohio, a podcast where we discuss our Masonic journeys, thoughts, family, life, future, connections made through the craft, and so much more. I'm your host, Brother Jim Hall. On today's show, we'll feature Right Worshipful Brother William Carter III. The opinions discussed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. All right, we are here on episode 75 of The Traveling Man, and we have Right Worship Brother Bill Carter. Bill, thanks for being on the show. Uh, it's my pleasure, Jim. Absolutely. Bill, why don't you give everybody a little bit about yourself, where you're at, what jurisdiction, what uh, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, my name is Bill Carter. I'm a member of Dover Lodge, number 489. Uh, that's the Masonic Lodge in Westlake, Ohio. Okay. 22nd Masonic District of Ohio, we like tremendous. to call it. The tremendous. Tremendous 22nd, absolutely. There's yeah. another tremendous I've heard, too. Well, so. you know, there is a, a, <laughs> kind of a funny story on that, if you don't mind me giving a little bit of history. Originally, we were the fantastic 22nd. Uh, and the only okay. reason I knew that is I happened to be in another district, and there was a quilt made with all the districts, and it had their saying on it. Okay. And that's how I determined that it was actually the, the fantastic, fantastic 22nd district. All but right. We'd forgotten about it. It wasn't a part of our vernacular anymore, so we decided on the 22nd, or sometimes you may see us flash the double deuces with our so, okay. That's our story. <laughs> that, well, that's, you know, Tim Klein and I go back and forth. Of you know, course. Since, since we're Ohio guys, we can, everyone right. else is like, what is going on out there? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm like, well, maybe we were the first tremendous. So yep. I, I like that. Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's the truth of the matter. But, uh, yeah, so uh, up here in Northeast Ohio, uh, we, in terms of, of the opportunities that have come, and, and, and I know we can talk a little bit more about yeah. that. It, it really, when I say Northeast Ohio, the 22nd District is very populous, but we do spend a lot of time with surrounding districts and kind of consider it sort of a Northeast Ohio family. Sure. So yeah. uh, it, 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 although I say the 22nd District, I very much feel at home in the 20th or the 16th, or, or even my brother's out in the 25th, which I, I often like to refer to as Pittsburgh. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is, right? Right. right. But uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just uh, we've, we've, lived here in northeast ohio myself and my family for gosh north of 20 years okay i'm not originally from here in ohio uh, all right but where are you working, from i'm originally from i uh, see now this is where you can upset everybody that, right. that believes in the scarlet gray and and i'll make the disclaimer that i i, I am a, a buckeye but uh, i was actually i'm from detroit originally in okay. michigan the whole family's from from michigan wow I didn't so know um, but my father he he worked for general motors and we traveled all over the place for sure. for his work you know we started in detroit at one point we were in cincinnati yeah 
lived in Omaha, Nebraska for a long time and, you know, eventually settled here in Northeast Ohio. So there you go. Somebody has got to live here and keep the snow off the ground. That's 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 what we do. Here we are. (laughs) So, so give me a little bit about your, um, where you're at right now in masonry, because obviously you're a member of Dover. Mm-hmm. What what else are you a member of? Give me some appendant bodies and what you're doing in masonry. Yeah. I know you do a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, I mean, there's just so many nights to fill. You might as well yeah, go right. do it. Yeah, Why sit around? So also a member of the Valley of Cleveland for the Scottish Rite, as well as the Valley of the Firelands. Oh, uh, we can talk right. about two valleys very interesting we we could certainly talk about that but you know very complimentary in a lot of ways okay. but uh yes yeah, certainly very active in the scottish rite i'm a past sovereign prince of my council okay. um, also a member of all the york rite bodies sure uh, member of the shrine member of uh, allied masonic degrees okay. member of the night masons you know the list goes on and on so yeah you're absolutely right just very involved in the fraternity and yeah. very few of the appendant bodies that i don't get to enjoy the brothers and you know i, I think it's actually it's fun to be a part of the appendant bodies because i think a lot of people come into the fraternity and they sort of find their home in one of those bodies yeah yeah so here's this huge body of masons and you little may not riches. run into them if you don't travel around a little you're bit. right so yeah it's it's kind of nice yeah that, you know so. we we have those shrine guys that's right and, and that we have right. certain and it's funny and it, maybe it's like that up here too maybe it's like that everywhere is we have certain lodges that are like shrine lodges you know that's they're kind of kind of know that these guys are going to join and they want to be masons but they want to be shriners so it's yeah. kind of like a you know, moving right along thing. Yeah, right. Jim, you're spot on. And, and my own lodge, I would say, is probably one of those because we're very much a Scottish Rite Lodge. So okay. most brothers who come in here, eventually and they're going to get that petition in their hand, right? Yeah, and you need to come right. out and be with your brothers down at the valley. Yeah, so, hey, support yeah. our appended bodies. That's we need exactly to do that. right. That's right. So a big one here, and, you know, the answer is very, how did you find masonry? Some guys have family members. Some guys just like history. Some mm-hmm. guys saw the sign. What What was the motivator that yeah. made you move the meter? Well, I, I think there was. there's two aspects, right? There's the aspect of how I found it, which is awareness. And then okay. there was the motivation to join. For me, the awareness came from my mother's father. He was a, a very proud Mason in okay. Cedar Lodge Number 60 up in Michigan. All right. Great. And I had heard about it when I was growing up. I'd heard about this thing called Masons. My mother was a, a member of Job's Daughters. Yeah, And great. I even remember seeing her little Job's Daughters ring. I don't even know if they still do that now, but she had a Job's Daughters ring in the jewelry box. Okay. And I saw that. Nice. Very very curious about that. So that's really where the awareness started. And I just knew it was a thing that they did. Sure. You, you kind of roll the tape forward. Not that I'm dating myself by saying roll the tape. No, that's, right? I but understood it. No, no. Some right? guys would be like, what the <laughs> What is it? What? So you see, tear something? Yeah. No. But um, as you, as you kind of move it forward, it was the, the interest then began to peak as I had opportunity to research. So by way of my background, uh, I'm in information technology. And quite honestly, when I was uh, at Ohio State University, I had the opportunity to be on this new thing called the World Wide Web. Oh, yeah. Now, keep in mind, this Cutting is edge. this is like early, early, late 80s, early 90s, right? So I jumped on my Sun Solaris workstation and, and was able to get out on the World Wide Web. And I was able to find some information about Freemasonry. Okay. So one day I I happened to pull up Alta Vista, my, my okay. search engine at the time. And, and uh, some people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know that. think I know that. And others are thinking it's a place in California, right? Yeah. But no, I, I pulled that up and I did a search on Freemasonry, Jim. Okay. 
and the first site that came back was called Freemasonry Watch. Okay. And it was very anti-Masonic. Wow. Very anti-Masonic. Okay. So my first view. That early they uh, had That early, out there. absolutely. Okay. This is one of the earliest sites, quite honestly, for, wow. for anti-Masonry. And I'll tell you, it was so virulent, right? The, the information that was posted on it. Yeah. That it stopped me cold. Really? I okay. literally said, I'm not going to touch this. Yeah. And makes that was sense. it. And it's only as, as we moved forward and I had opportunity, actually, it was a, it was a pretty neat opportunity, Jim, that I happened to be sitting with my grandfather, who was a member, again, of Cedar 60 up yeah. in Michigan, and I asked him about his Masonic experience. And I noticed a visible change come over him when yeah. I asked him that question. And as he began to explain it, he, he told me a lot about it. And then he, he told me that he had been a member long enough that they had actually awarded him a life membership in wow. Cedar 60, okay. right? It was a big deal for him. Sure. And I, I even remember kind of the evidence of tears in yeah, his eyes. Yeah. And I thought, you know, something can move a man like that. And I know my grandfather to be a, a, a good and true man. Yeah. This must be something worth looking into. So started looking into it. And quite honestly, I was never looking for something like that. My wife and I were very much people that said, we can do this on our own. You know, we we don't need to be surrounded with people. So, you know, I think a lot of times people think of masonry in terms of this opportunity for social intercourse. Sure. And that very much was not necessarily what I was looking for. I was more okay. looking for that experience that moved that man that I respect so much. Yeah. And, uh, and the rest is history. So here, here we it. sit yeah. all these years later, right? And, and that's, that's how it came to be. Okay. So you joined Dover. Yes. Some guys, I'm going to raise my hand. People can't <laughs> see it. Get sat in a chair that doesn't have any lines. It's very easy. Sometimes that's not the best thing to do. Sure. Looking back, it worked out in my journey. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it's better to actually learn what's going on in the lodge before you take those chairs. Mm. What was it like when you joined? Did you have a lot of sideline seat time or were you in a chair? What was Mm. your, what was your path like as you got into lodge? It's it's a great question. So as I was proceeding through my degrees, I, I do remember, actually, I have to share this with you real quick. One night I did come out for one of my degrees and was literally prepared. And then that's, that's all we'll talk about here yeah. <laughs> on the air, but uh, I was literally prepared and ready to go. Sure. And uh, suddenly a knock came at the door and I figured, here we go. And the individual opened the door, came all the way in and shut the door behind him and proceeded to tell me, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to do your conferral. Oh, okay. And, and of course I have no idea what's going on, but apparently somebody that was critical to that conferral was not able to be there that night. So it was literally a, you know, get ready. Okay. Go home. You have to wait another month uh, in in order to do that. At the time we were only meeting once per month. Okay. So I, I guess what that told me, and the reason I give you that background is it told me that we were, we were running it tight as a ship. Sure. We were running it pretty tight, so much so that uh, there was some risk. You know, if somebody, for whatever reason, couldn't make it, it, it could necessarily, you know, the, the machine is missing a cog. Right. So Absolutely. all that to say that when, when I was finally raised as a sure. master mason, 
Uh, it literally was the night that I was raised that I was put into a steward's chair and congratulated and given a key and, and it's time yeah. to go to work, right? <laughs> okay. Okay, there yes, I'm, I'm willing to come to work. So, you know, you talk about instant engagement, but this was, uh, I was raised in June of the year, which obviously meant that we went into summer darkness as is traditional. Right, sure. And uh, it certainly gave me a lot to think about. When I returned, we were awful close to the annual election. So I had a couple months serving as steward, working yeah, in the kitchen and right, so forth. Right. And what was amazing is uh, we held the elections, a new worshipful master was elected, and they approached me and said, we would like you to be the lodge education officer. And I'm thinking, wow, I've okay. been a Mason for five months, right? A <laughs> yeah. master Mason. Five, and now five months, two of them were dark. Right? Exactly. And I'm going to teach you, right? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be your lodge education officer. So that, that literally was the beginning, Jim. And that's to say that there has literally never been a time in this fraternity where I've not been an officer of some sort. Or wow. Right. So it's, now, how, how many years of Mason are you? I don't remember if we... So I am I am thundering toward my second decade okay. uh, very, very quickly here. Um, I actually approached the lodge in 2024. I was raised a master Mason in 2025. So I guess as we sit here, you call it 18 plus years that okay. I'm at now. So it's been a heck of a journey. Now, what, looking back, because obviously hindsight is 2020. Of course. Um what were some of the struggles of being a new Mason and being the lodge education officer? Did you, you know, I, at, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 10 years mm -hmm. and I feel like I have enough knowledge that I could do that job and do it some due diligence. Sure. But I know at five months, I didn't, you know, <laughs> I'm a baby in Mason. I don't right. know anything. Right. So, so what was that like taking on that? And how long did you yeah. serve? Yeah, it's a great question. So, Certainly that, that sense of panic set in, right? Sure. And and now it's time to really make sure that you understand what you're doing. You know, our lodge at the time didn't have a website or yeah. anything to that effect. You know, this this lodge was considered a farmer's lodge. So, okay. um, and, and the men, even now on reflection, the men were like giants when I looked at them. We, we had a brother in here who fought in World War II on the other side. Right. He, Whoa, he, he was literally okay. a member of our lodge. And th there was such a great story that, uh, you know, we, we could probably talk about another day. But the fact that, you know, one of our brothers was American soldier and he was a, a German soldier and, wow. and and masonry brought them together. So, uh, again, I look back on these guys um, as as giants. Sadly, we've lost a lot of them. Uh, sure. I, I guess yeah. I don't realize that, you know, to me, 18 years just feels like a flash. Right. I still right. feel like the same guy that I did back then and, and still fit the same suit. Oh, know, right? that makes one of us. I don't know how that happens, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I wanted to do a good job because sure. those men were, were such great men. So I had the advantage of already being very – I mean, it's, it, we're in the 2000s at this point. We better know how to use a web browser. Right. But had the advantage of being able to do research very quickly. Um, there, was a, there was a brother out of Canada who used to do a podcast – I don't know if you remember this individual. His name was Stephen Defoe, and he used to do a, a, a Masonic podcast out of Canada. It didn't last very long, but I okay. absolutely loved it at the time, and I used to listen to that very much. He published a small book. Um, I believe it was called Everything I Needed to Know About Freemasonry I Learned as an Entered Apprentice. 
Wow. Okay. That was a, an amazing lesson for me as I said, okay, how am I going to crack this LEO nut? It, yeah. it really was to start with that. And, and uh, I, I also think of illustrious brother Charlie Berry down at the Scottish Rite in Cleveland. He was the librarian. He and his lady were the librarians. And so I made very quick friends with him as well and availed myself of a lot of different materials. In fact, I remember the first book that he, he brought to me to, to learn from. Uh, it was called Clap and Cheer. I believe King was the author's last name. Okay. And the, the eponymous uh, poem, and it was a book of poems, the, the, the book talked about the fact that, that there is no such thing as sidelines. We say that all the time in masonry. I'm going to yeah. go sit on the sidelines. Right. And his point was there are no sidelines. They are columns. They are active. And if you are an individual who is lucky enough to not be put straight into a chair, <laughs> right. right, an officer's chair, yeah. then your job is to be in that column clapping and cheering for the yeah. men who are working so hard for the lodge. So that was the first book and, and like made that. me realize that we all have a job to do here. Even if we're not in one of those bigger, fancier chairs, yeah. we all have a job to do. So that really got me engaged on it. I read very heavily. I was fortunate, you know, we're sitting in our library right now. I was fortunate yeah. to have all these books to begin to look at. And so it really became that. And I think that in those early days as I was making those presentations, I think these these elder brothers knew that because they were very encouraging to me. Okay, um, you know they clapped and cheered when when I would bring material to them, sure. and it only fed the fire, right? To continue to oh, do yeah. that. So right, right. I have been lodge education officer until this year, uh, because of some other things going yeah, on. Yeah, right. Thought it was time maybe for somebody to to take hold of it, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at over 100 presentations, uh, wow. you know, in PowerPoint that, that I've yeah. given multiple times. So really have a thirst for this. And, and all of that studying in order to do that really shaped the kind of mason I became. You know, one of the names that people call me, Okay, I have to admit this, yeah. uh, is they say he's, he's one of those esoteric Cases, I, yeah, right? that's and, okay. and and yeah. I think that's that's a fair characterization. And, and honestly, Jim, I lean into it. I absolutely sure. lean into it because I really believe that if you spend that time actually studying in order to be able to bring content of value to the brothers of this fraternity, yeah, you're going to someday have to look in the mirror and say, "Am I one of those esoteric masons too?" I'm the right? Guy now. Exactly. Okay. And and I think you know, uh, not to you know, I know I'm going in multiple directions no, here, but we it. have this Royal Schofield Society, which I think by its very nature encourages that in brothers. I mean, yeah. if you if you get to the the final section, which I'm very excited to be in right now, yeah. there is a section where you do need to have served as a lodge education officer or a district education officer or 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 whatnot. Sure. I think that's a good thing because yeah. the moment you're forced to look at this as something more than a supper club, right? And we have some nice suppers, right? We do. Uh, we, yes. we certainly do. <laughs> right, I've had to right. fight to stay in that suit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you begin to look at it as more than that, you do come to that moment where you have to face this and you have to say, okay, there's something bigger here. What is this? Yeah. And and, and that's really where it brought. So very valuable experience being a lodge education officer. I loved it. Now. Obviously, you've done so many different ones. Do you have a favorite? And I know that now you yes. got to pick, or, or or a couple. But since you've done it so long, yeah, there's got to be you know there's one where you just 
this is the one. I can't wait to do it. I don't need to look at anything. It just Absolutely. rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I'm going to have to answer that in two ways. And the reason is that any of the presentations that I've done, and, and this is a question I do get asked when I give presentations, people will say, would it be possible to get your presentation? So that sure. they, they can yeah, present absolutely. it too, right? If, if they value it, they, they want it. And the problem is I can never give it to them because there are no presentation notes in it. Uh, you know, the slides are pictures well, that paint a backdrop. Go off of, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's difficult to do that. But I, I share that with you because uh, I would have to say there's two kinds of favorites that I have. Okay. If there is a single favorite presentation that I give, it would be the anti-masonry round table. Yeah. And you're certainly familiar with that. Sure. That's a presentation that, um, quite honestly, it, it typically stretches between four and six hours, that presentation. Okay. I am exhausted at the end of that one <laughs> every single time. So that's one of my favorite ones to give, um, especially because of the thought that it, it provokes in a roundtable format, in a roundtable discussion. Yeah. Suddenly... I think our brothers begin to realize that indeed this is something bigger. And unfortunately, we're letting those people outside of us define who we are. And, and of course, they have no vested interest in defining right. us in a positive light. Sure. Per Absolutely. Se. So I think that's one of my favorite ones. The other one uh, it would be a category. The 8th Masonic District here in Ohio has something that I really enjoy, which is an education day where all of the Grand Lodge officers are invited. To I've present. heard of this. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And it, it's great because it has to be very compact. You can imagine you've got 12 Grand Lodge officers in any year. Sure. How many presentations are you going to get in in a couple, three hours? So right. it's, it's typically a 10 to 15 minute presentation that we have to give. I love those because it's an exercise in making the message very compact. Right but also making the message in such a way that it is not a neat little box where they can go, oh, that's nice. What a nice presentation. Yeah. The intent is, or certainly from my perspective, the intent is to really, uh, for lack of a better term, poke the scab, right? Sure. To really say, wow, I, you know, I never really thought of that and leave those who are participating wanting more. Yeah, right? set that spark. Exactly. So I really like that. And, and the fact that you can use that brief kind of presentation to inspire the desire to research. And I'll tell you, I've, I've, I've got a lot of brothers who have become very fast friends with that yeah. because they, they, you know, something stimulates that itch in their brain where they say, I've got to learn about this. And pretty soon conversations develop in correspondence and it's, it's fantastic. So I, I wish I could just say it's one, but I have to break it into types. Sure. One, the traditional presentation of the Anti-Masonry Roundtable, but the other, making those compact messages that you hope will inspire yeah. further study. Yeah. Now, yeah. now i got to put you on the spot. Okay. Because I have a little background in Royal Schofield. Yes, yeah, right? you do. A little bit. Right? Yes. A little bit. Yes. And if if so elected, yes, would you possibly be a grandmaster that is a master of the craft hmm. by next year? Putting you on the spot. That's nuts. It's <laughs> Only a, because it's a this great isn't the first time this conversation has come sure, up. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah, no, it's it's a fair question. That is absolutely the intent. So awesome. uh, we're already well into, you know, the final section of sure. it. Obviously, there's some things that I need to compose. I've been very fortunate that uh, kind of an unofficial mentor has has worked with me in terms of sharing with me what the Royal Schofield Society is looking for. Yeah, uh, and that's that's right. Worship brother Dan Mossop. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan and I, we just we see so much uh, eye to eye, and 
one of the ways that he really kind of lit that flame for me is to say, we, we want to hear your voice, right? Yeah. You're an esoteric guy. That's what be loud want. and proud about yeah. it, right? You, you go ahead and do that. Don't, don't write it. You know, like I wrote a master's thesis, right? A master's thesis. Of course, I'm trying to convey information, but I'm also trying to do what the professor wants, yeah, right? Sure, and the thesis sure. and that the board is going to approve. Uh, it, it, he really kind of bump steered me off of that course and said, look, this is not just a scholastic exercise. This is an exercise that reflects who you are yeah. and, and the flame that's inside you. You show that. So uh, that really was very helpful and, and quite honestly excited me to complete the journey. So, yeah, right. you know, if so elected, it's if entirely so. possible. Yeah, you, you right. may have the first grandmaster with an RSS after his name. Okay. We'll just, see. We'll just see. wondering, wondering. <laughs> um, so your DEO, or excuse yeah. me, LEO. Yes. Where in that, because obviously a run through the chairs has to happen at some point to get right. where you are today. That's right. How did that happen and how was it juggling mm -hmm. both since you've kept the LEO that whole time? How, how soon did you jump into that or did you really take your time to enjoy that LEO and then yeah. move in there? What was the story there? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. As I mentioned to you, we, we ran the ship pretty tightly sure. here. So that first full year of, of being a Mason, right, after I was appointed LEO, that's what I did. I was LEO and steward. At the same okay, time. you did. Okay, I did both. After that year was done, um, we kind of took a look when it came around toward election time and said, "Okay, it's tight ship. We we kind of need to have a plan." Now we obviously that's good. Very prohibited from doing any kind of electioneering, but began to explore. There were several of us that were younger brothers that had come in at yeah. that time, and uh, lo and behold, the the ballot box came through. And I ended up being junior warden. Oh my God. So it literally, okay. I skipped, you know, the, the junior deacon and the senior deacon and literally went from steward and LEO into junior warden. I took that as evidence that my presentations were okay. Yeah. Right. But, but ended up doing that. Now that was a, that was a very interesting time in my life because for work, working in technology, yeah. um, I had taken on a role at the organization for which I worked where they did need me to do quite a bit of travel. And oh, right. because of that, uh, there were times when uh, it's a very important office, right? Yeah, in in uh, the sure, lodge sure. where uh, I would have to miss a meeting. Uh, yeah. So would always try to communicate. Unfortunately, there were some breakdowns in communication that I won't go into, but certainly the messages were left and so forth. And they weren't always getting through to the master of the lodge at the time, who had then become thoroughly convinced that this guy, Carter, has no desire to be a part of this fraternity, <laughs> okay. right? So right. so the whispers, you know, began, maybe this was a bad decision and so forth. Well, once it came to light that, that the communication had simply broken down, but that Carter was reaching out and making sure it was understood and was yeah. working his career to a place where he could do that, sure. everything was okay. But I, there was a little period in there where I think uh, – you know, maybe the name was a little questionable well, here in the lodge. Okay. Okay. But no, um, and I continued being LEO during that time. So sure. again, this has always been kind of the additional profession. Even at the time that I was master of the lodge, I was still doing LEO duties okay. at, at the same time. And, you know, it's probably another subject entirely, but one of the things I always try to encourage LEOs to do is to tap into the talent that's latent in your lodge, the people yes. who are members of your lodge, and let them 
you know, take opportunity to present something. Yeah. Well, sometimes that can be very difficult, especially if, you know, they like what they're getting. It almost becomes an entertainment venue. Yeah. Uh, and, and people are hesitant to step up and do that. So, sure. it, you know, I, I did have some brothers that occasionally would do that, but, uh, you know, I just kind of kept it on as, as part of the regular thing. So next thing you know, uh, you know, you get that election to, to take that chair in, in the East. Yeah. And I think the, the night that I was elected worshipful master, the thing that I remember most is uh, my mother happened to be present that night to see me installed. Okay. And uh, afterwards, she, she came up to me and she said, uh, are you going to expect your wife to call you worshipful now too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh boy, here we go, right? Here we go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that's that was my first time in the East. Uh, it, it actually, it happened pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I would say what, four years. Now, right. going through that that quickly mm-hmm. and sitting in the East, Looking back on that, mm-hmm. so things you would have done differently in the East, or are you pretty satisfied with that first time in the East? No, I I think if anybody thinks that they nailed it the first time out, they're cheating, right? I, yeah. I don't know. They've got notes coming from the secretary or something. Right. right? Now, of course, there were things that I would do. Probably the biggest lesson that I learned sitting in the East of a Masonic Lodge is that we, we kind of get this, uh, again, without going into our ceremonies, we get into this mode as members of a lodge where the the ceremonies that that we uh, it, that we take part in almost become music to us it sure. almost becomes a familiar song and and after a time you you unconsciously realize that you're being directed by somebody else and 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 it just you just go with that flow yeah suddenly you're sitting in the east and it's all on you yeah. You are the one who has to play the song right? right, and actually make that work. So probably the biggest lesson that I got in the first year, uh, and this is to say I didn't have the lesson before <laughs> it, right? right? So this is what I could have done better, uh, is the sense that when you are in a role like that, you need to be hyper aware. Yes. That's the thing. You you sure. can't simply wait to be prompted by somebody or someone's going to do this and I'm going to you have to be hyper aware, hyper focused. Yeah. to make sure that you're able to conduct the business, to make sure that you're able to foster those new candidates that are coming in, to make sure that the lodge is operating the way you need it to. Sure. It was a great learning experience. So great that they figured I must need to do it again and get it right. So they elected me again. They put you right. Oh, <laughs> see, there you go. All so, right. yeah, but that that's probably the biggest thing that, that was a lesson to me and that, I, honestly, without knowing that, I, I couldn't have done it better, right? I, I was going to make mistakes, yeah, period. Right. And I did make those mistakes, but I learned very quickly because you feel it. Boy, when you're sitting Oh, my in God. East, oh, my God. Oh, they all look to you and you're just... That's right. We, my first year in the East... One of the things I would forget every time mm-hmm. was the prep person, somebody mm-hmm. to prep. Yeah, so it was course. you know you're I'm worried about yeah. my my stuff and That's right. everybody else and and we would be walking in right and somebody would be like who's prepping the candidate oh uh, yeah uh, yeah you know yeah. and that now now I'm searching like who yeah, wh- who's one of my columns That's that right. I can That's use right. right yeah yeah and uh, 
that was one of the things when I left the East. And I don't, yeah. since you've obviously had a couple turns at the East, yes. Palestine won't let me back in. I, they said, one, we can't have this you must tyrant have been awesome. back in. No, you must have been awesome. <laughs> I love it. How did you overcome that, though, yeah. it, learning to, to do that preparation ahead of time? So, so the, what I told myself was I'm not going to let the next guy fall into that trap. Right. And not that it's a trap, you know, right. not that somebody was like, we're going to get Jim, but we're not going to yeah, tell right, him, right. you know, and that's something that we've, we've taken, we, me, the Royal <laughs> we, yeah, 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 you know, but I'm like, you know what, this is something I can give that master that I never got. Right. And, you know, when we're moving along in this journey, mm. how do we make this better? Yes. And, and it's something that I sat down and said, Hey. You know, yeah, you're worried about your inspection. You're worried about masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grandmasters award if you do that. You're worried about X, Y, and Z for your entire year. Mm. But you're definitely going to forget X, Y, and Z. That's right. I'm like, you know what you're going to forget? When to wrap the gavel. Right. I'm like, you know what right. I did? I'm like, I wrote on my notes, wrap gavel. Wrap here, yes. I'm like, by the end, I knew. But that first time, and I had a past deputy come in right. to do an LEO. And my LEO set this up. And I trusted him. He just did his thing. Well, I didn't know this guy was coming, and it just derailed my whole meeting. Oh, and, my goodness. And John Martinson beside me is like, wrap the gavel, Jim. <laughs> oh, right. my God. You know, I felt that, like, everybody's looking at me. That's right. That's so right. that was kind of, okay, we're going to just give you that little bit of a nugget. So, yes, of course. So now, with you being in the East multiple times, is that mm. something that you passed along to your guys? Yeah, we certainly tried to do that, you know. I tend to look at things really from a cultural perspective first before I start looking at strategies for, for, you know, how you're going to prepare people for the future. You you first have to build that culture where people really understand what we're trying to do, what what it is we're trying to accomplish. And a lot of times they're going to look to leadership to help define that culture. In fact, you'll, you'll get elected leader because they're, they're hoping you can bring that to the table. Yeah. So, I think we really built this sense of a a cohesive core within the lodge. And what's amazing about that, Jim, and, you know, we go through numerous exercises, you know, leadership trainings, and we we used to have a program called the TELL course, right? The Excellent Lodge Leader, and we had Masons Lead Better and, and all these things. And I think those are very valuable programs. Those programs have to be underpinned, however, by a culture that is looking to, it almost has a thirst to assimilate those strategies. If you sure. don't have that, then it's it's perfunctory, right? You're you're you might as well just write it on a board as a checklist, right? Like yeah. you said, because you can certainly do it that way. You can certainly do it from a checklist perspective. So we really worked hard to build that core. We even I, I don't mind talking about this, and I know the members of the lodge that are part of this won't mind that I'm talking about this. Yeah. But we created a, a little unofficial organization called the Cellar Dwellers. We had a, okay, a Masonic like brother who had a, a, a section of his basement that was literally a, a cooler. That, okay. That kept everything at, you know, like below earth temperatures. Yeah, right. and you can put certain things in cellars and allow them to age and, yeah. and imbibe them at other times and, and so forth. But we used to get together in there and we would have a great time, good social time. But everybody knew that. At some point, the social time would turn into that education time. Okay. Still the lodge education officer yeah. from way back in 2005, right? Yeah. They knew that it was time to look. And it wasn't simply education about Ben Franklin or 
you know, the Civil War. It's all fascinating episodes in our history. Yeah. It really was that deeper look at Freemasonry, that why behind Freemasonry. And I have a sure. feeling we'll talk about that at some point. Yeah. But that began to began to build that culture, that that common, you know, language and set of symbols and the things that we valued. Then as we were going through the chairs in the lodge, trying yeah. to run the lodge, there was that natural thirst inspired in the in the brothers to actually take that on and let's let's do this thing. I'm happy to say that I'm in a lodge full of men who do things better than me. That's a wonderful yeah, that's wonderful way to have it, right? Yeah. So, but but it really was you needed to build that understructure, and we we were going through a time. I'm gonna speak a little demographically for a moment, but we were going through a time where. Sadly, we were losing a lot of our members. Our lodge went through a period where they were not bringing in a lot of yeah. men. So there was a gap. Sure. And we, we had more Masonic funerals than, than you know, sometimes oh, yeah. a man's heart can bear, right? right. All these men, they're, they're not here anymore. So it was important that we had that, and that, that kind of carried things through. We do, Of course, we have those brothers that have been here, you know, since the 1970s. Sure. Uh, we have one regular member that has been a Master Mason in this lodge since 1971. Wow. That's an amazing thing. And he is that tie for us sure. to that legacy that allows us to continue on with that sense of, of groundedness. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. So yeah, that's, that's really kind of how we tried to bring that to the next members coming in through the line and, and, and hoping that, that we would establish that we even went to uh, a period and we're still doing it today where we, we sort of realized pretty quickly that sometimes one year is just not enough for somebody to sit in the Eastern chair. Yeah. So a lot of times when we're talking to somebody and gauging if they have interest, should they be elected in being worshipful master, we talk about potentially being in that chair for two years in a row yeah so okay it's not a bad way it works for us no and and you know what i think and i know and i'm going to use palestine we're we're blessed enough to have excited guys that Mm. you know are moving through the line and the thought of a second year in the chair would be like well what about the line you know sure you know because it's we're so used to of course and i've never that's never entered my head other than well, so, you know, unfortunately, you have people move, whatever. Mm, so mm. to actually do that and continue, wh- right. whatever that is, I, I like that idea. Yeah, it's, it's it's certainly an interesting idea. And when, yeah, I keep mentioning culture, but this is really a subcultural thing for this lodge. Sure. It would not work for every lodge. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, in our case, our lodge is, we're right at that 50-member line. We're a small lodge. Okay. But... By the same token, when we hear lodges say, well, we get 10% of our members showing up at a meeting, that's fantastic. We couldn't open with 10% of our members. Right. Right. We regularly have half of our members, if not more. But again, let's look at the size that we're talking about here too. So it really is a a tight knit situation that that we have. We had to build it because, uh, you know, we're... Uh, there's a lot that we're trying to rebuild in this community. Our our line right now, um, I'm probably the oldest guy, if, or oh, one of the wow, oldest guys, right? A lot of young men coming through, Good. and they're very excited, and they want that deeper. What? Uh, okay, I, I get that you're an organization. You do a lot of charity, and that's fantastic. But what is this thing? Yeah, They want that deeper thing, and we really we gravitate to those individuals. We really try to pull them in and embrace them and give them something of value when they come in. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question. What are yes. you? It's such yes, a hard, that's right. you know, yes. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So you've been through 
the East. Yes. Multiple times. Yes. Right. What happened next? Mm. Obviously, there is a next because we know where you're at now. So that's you, right. we know that's a little right. bit of the journey. And for everyone that's not in Ohio, we're going to go through the whole journey. So Absolutely. don't worry about explaining yeah, yeah. it. So, so when was that next step? Who asked? What, mm. what was the process? Well, it was one of my last terms as Worshipful Master of the Lodge that a president of the Blue Lodge Association approached me. Okay. And asked if I would be interested in going through that progression, which was, in our case, a four-year progression, third vice, second vice, first vice, sure. president. So very exciting to get to do something like that, yeah. right? To, to Honoring, get to take right? yeah, yeah, a exciting. leadership position at, at, at sort of the district level. So I, I began that journey and got a couple years through that journey. And as I hit president, I ended up getting a call that I never, ever expected. Okay. And that was district education officer. That's wow. that's when that actually okay. happened. So it, it really was that progression of, you know, being an officer, being a master multiple times in the lodge, yeah, yeah. getting into a, a more district-wide district role, sure. and then literally being called upon to take that educational approach yeah. to a much bigger scale. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> Who That's made the call, if you don't mind? Are I was at I, liberty to say. Yeah, of course I am. So the I received the call from, let me take a step back. Yeah, sure. About a year after I became a Master Mason, Okay. Um, I that's when I joined the Scottish Rite. Yes. And I can remember during the reunion in which I participated, and there were so many people, Jim. I mean, it was, it, 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 looked, awesome. it looked really big, yeah. right? Yeah. But I can remember as the 32nd degree was, was being conferred, there was this man who was the boss. I didn't know the terms at the time, but I could see yeah. he was the boss because he had the biggest chair. Right? Yeah, right. And I remember opening my program and, and seeing his picture and seeing his name and thinking what an imposing individual that was. Sure. There was a couple of them, right? But yeah. that guy, he just seemed really imposing to me. Uh, that guy is the guy who made the call for district education officer. That was now most worshipful brother, Rick Shaw, who at the time okay. was our district advisor. He was the one who made the call and asked if I would be willing to serve. Yeah. So you imagine this super intimidating guy, all of a sudden he's calling he's me calling and you, asking yeah. me to take on this kind of a role. So yeah, that's who it was. That's who I got the call from. Now I, I love talking about in the moment. Mm. So what goes through your head? Cause I know when I got the call, yes, there was about, I was about to do a podcast. So oh, wow. I, I had yeah. somebody coming down the steps and I was teared up. And right. so tell me a little bit about what, what went through your head in that moment, mm. getting that call. I, I think I was more dumbfounded than anything else. I, I didn't think it was anything that would ever be possible. I always looked at these district officers as being this separate entity right sure, they're, they're these level. very yeah they've been in the fraternity for a long time they're they're very learned um they they provide a lot of guidance and i thought oh, that's just that's yeah it never even approached my thinking that that, sure. that would be a thing sure. so it, for me it was i was very dumbfounded when when i was asked to do that so of course i, I needed to take a little bit of time right yeah, and yeah. kind of calculate this this whole thing through in my mind um once i had the time to to relax on it a little bit think it through that's when i made the call back and 
and said yes. But yeah. yeah, similar to you, right? It just it's like a vapor lock moment where you think yeah. I I never even imagined this thing would happen. And you know, it, it's kind of funny. I'll share a little something from from the work life. Um, I've, I've had opportunity to manage teams, and I've I've expressed my disdain for politicking. Sure. I just, I, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. Uh, and so I never really was at a point where I was looking at these roles and saying, how can I how avail I? myself yeah. of one of these yeah. roles? Sure, right? sure. It never was a thing. So that's, I think that's probably all the more reason it just came out of, you know, like, like a bolt of lightning, right? Yeah. I didn't expect that that would actually happen. Uh, but next thing you know, here I am. So yeah. that, I, I think that was part of why I was so unprepared for it because that was them that's those guys that's some group that i know nothing about i just know that when they show up you everything better be right you know you better make sure everything's good so yeah that's kind of how it came about you know i was um i had done a podcast with most warfare brother jess rains yes and at that moment we were talking about his journey and he said you know if you ask Hmm. you're not the right guy yeah and it's so funny that, you know, the way you said, it, I, maybe at this point we didn't do or don't do the best job of showing mm. how this happens, how you become a district officer, right. you know? And I just out of the blue shot an email to Kevin Todd, our, our, <laughs> our DA. Yeah. And this was before I went on with Jess and I'm like, yeah. Hey, do you have to like, do you put your hat in the ring for the, I don't know. You yeah, know, nobody yeah. was. And I just sent that and I hadn't got a response and whatever. And, and just said that. And we went out to dinner afterwards and I'm like, I feel horrible. Yeah, you shouldn't have like, done I, that. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, I didn't know. Of I course. Just, yeah. You know, and it was months later, right. Kevin called me and he's like, yeah, I got your email. And, yeah, he's yeah, like, I know you did. and I'm like, Oh my God. I, and I told him and he's right. laughing and I'm like, like I, I like, what am I doing? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You yeah, know, and yeah. that was, it was never a, I want the apron. I just was genuinely cur- curious of how does the, what is the process? Yeah, of you, course. You know, you know, once you join lodge, what the process is to become master. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was just, so I'm thinking, Oh, what an idiot. I can't. Believe. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> you know, I, I think what's great about that is that our, our leaders have enough wisdom to understand the difference between somebody who is just genuinely curious versus somebody who is motivated. Yeah. And, and obviously they must have seen that you were just genuinely curious on that. And thank goodness that we have leaders that can discern that because I think that is what they're trying to avoid. Sure. Somebody who is, is very self-motivated. That can be very difficult. You, you know very well that the, the role of a district education officer while everybody does greet you with, you know, just a tremendous amount of friendliness, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And the oh, paycheck yeah. ain't that great. No. Right? No. You're, you're, you're going to give a lot of your time. Yeah. Uh, often much more than you're necessarily going to receive in kind. Sure. Right? Absolutely. You're, you're not going to have it. So it does make sense that they want to determine what your motivation is. Because yeah, if you're in yeah. it for yourself, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to make everybody else miserable because it's all about you. Sure. Or you're very quickly going to become disillusioned with it and say, this is nothing like what I thought it was. I'm out of here. And that's incredibly disruptive. Yeah. Oh my God. It makes sense. Yes. So you are now a DEO. Yes. And I'm I'm not going to ask every single installation, what your favorite part, you know, obviously we've been through a lot, Yeah. but let's take that 
time that you served. And, and I didn't mm-hmm. check Grandview normally. <laughs> I, I have the availability, yeah, which dossier. is nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but out of that time, what was your morsel of one of your favorite things? Or what, what did you look forward to doing as a DEO mm-hmm. to give to those LEOs in your district? Yeah, you know, so it was an interesting time because the DEO role had just been restored a, okay. a short time yeah. before I came back. So I was very fortunate to have some individuals who had served as DEOs and then had subsequently been asked to serve as district deputy grandmasters. Okay. Um, a couple things they were very clear about. The first thing that they were very clear about was just because you're a DEO, do not expect that you're going to be a district yeah. deputy grandmaster. Right. Well, that message was loud and clear right from the start. That, that certainly was nothing even close to my sure, mind, right? Sure. But the the great thing that, that I took out of it was, and, and I almost laugh about it a little bit because they say, they, they, they told me that when the DEO walks in the room, everybody's glad to see him. When the district deputy <laughs> walks in the room, everybody wants to run away and go home. Yeah, right? I've heard that. <laughs> nobody, I've heard that. nobody likes that when the, when the deputy walks in. So uh, the, the morsel that I took out of that was, you know, use this as an opportunity to build relationships yeah. and to equip lodge education officers, yes. not even lodge education officers. I'll tell you, I spent a lot of time working with LEOs, but probably the, the biggest morsel that I took away from that, and, and this still echoes very loudly in my mind so many years later, is that there is a massive group of brothers who are thirsty. They yes. want this information. They want this knowledge. They want to know that they are a part of something that has impact in this world, that has impact in their lives. They want to know. Yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, uh, not to say that LEOs weren't grateful. Of course they were grateful because you're sure. bringing material for them to be able to use. But what really hit me more was those brothers who would just light up and say, I've been looking for this forever. You could see it. I, I you finally see it got it. That's right. It That's right. Yeah. So it, what it did is it just reinforced to me the importance that we are, we have a huge opportunity in front of us to look at this from not only an educational perspective, but an inspirational perspective. Yeah. You know, we, we so often get caught up in processes and uh, checklists. I, I keep coming back no, to that. And yeah, I apologize right. for that. I mean, they're very valuable, right? No, sure. But we get very caught up in that and we forget that there is a there is a spirit of, of Freemasonry behind this. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and we can take advantage of the, the time that we spend together to really open that back up. Yeah. And, and share that with each other. So that was huge, so huge that it has literally shaped everything ever since, since that time and continues to do so. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. I love the you know, it's different ways of thinking. Yeah. So obviously you and I think differently. Of course. But the same because right. we're we're brothers and that that's the best part of you know how you approach it compared to how I approach it compared mm-hmm. to how everyone else approaches it. And I love the just the different things that the different ways you can shape your Ashler. Right. Where, whereas I looked at it and I, you know, X, Y, and Z do this, that, and you know, of course. that sounds like a list, doesn't it? <laughs> you know? It sort of does. Right. But you know, as I'm listening to you, you know, my, my thought was show our LEOs how dynamic lodge mm. education could be. Cause that's right. guys, guys get locked into a five minute presentation and of that's the LEO. There's a lot of education yeah. That happens not in that five minutes. You can really That's right. expand your horizons. Yeah, so. Jim, actually, I, I want to park on that because you said something brilliant right yeah. there. 
and that tell, is what, that. Wait a minute. Yeah, you, <laughs> mark this. Re- yeah. Record that and tell, send it to my wife. <laughs> Somebody said something brilliant yeah. here. Yeah, you know, it, it's. I, I think it's brilliant because when we talk about education and tools, we have organizations that have tried to send tools. You know, I think of the Masonic Service Association yeah. in North America, oh, yeah. and and the pamphlets that they send out. It's, it's great material. Sure. It really is great material. The problem is that. We have lodge education officers that, that might get dependent on that, and that's okay because, again, it's good material. Right. But the moment you kind of get dependent on something, it's an interesting phenomenon. You get dependent on receiving something, then your preparation drops. So as your dependency rises, your preparation drops. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I would go into lodges all around the state, and I would see when it came time for education, the lodge education officer would stand up, and he would open it up, and he would simply read it. Hmm. education is not simply about the regurgitation of information right education is about engagement you you keep using the word dynamic that is exactly what it is yeah an educator needs to engage the audience and it needs to be presented in such a way that it makes an impact right it it, it, it has you know thrills and chills and 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 cliffhangers and all that stuff i'm being a little dramatic here but uh, it, it really does need to have that that organic sense of engagement to it. And it's very hard to do that when your face is on a piece of paper. Oh, very yeah. hard to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think what you said is absolutely brilliant. And, and again, I don't care if it's a checklist. A checklist is very important towards preparing for what you're trying to do. But at some point, you got to look those brothers in the eye. Yeah. Right. And you've, you've got you've to kindle that fire that you know they have. Yeah. Right? You know, important. one of the most dynamic... LEO presentations, and I'm just going off my history, but yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah, that's no, good. You know, um, works for Brother Bob Bachelor, who is master uh, mm-hmm. Schofield Society number twenty one, I believe. Mm. Um, he was our LEO, and he came in dressed in a full fly fishing outfit. Oh, now, nice! I am zero percent interested in fishing right. whatsoever. Right? You know, I've done it with my dad, and I'm like, sure. okay, nothing's biting. Can yeah. we leave? <laughs> you know, fishing happens in aisle nineteen. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, in the right. grocery store. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> so, uh, but I was so locked in because I just wanted to know what the heck he was getting to. You know, right. and, you know, he's explaining to waiters, and he's explaining, mm. and at the end, he wrapped the whole thing up into a nice package of what this means and how it interprets the masonry that's right and that's probably been five six seven years ago i don't remember right. but that leo stands out because yes. of that wow factor it's like oh, all right you got yes you got me hooked yeah. now still ringing Let's in your go. mind yeah of course yeah. oh that's great good story so how many years did you serve deo i don't remember i did serve three years, three, four years. as okay. as deo absolutely and uh, again just so much fun to get to do that and so yeah. much fun to uh, i i Anybody that, that spends time with me knows that um, I like to turn the tables over a yeah. little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, to, to really kind of disrupt the, the modes of thinking that we settle into and, yeah. and, and try to disrupt that and, and cause you to kind of refresh your desire yes. to take in more information rather than stagnant. yeah exactly yeah, right sure. it's the dead sea's dead because it doesn't let anything out <laughs> right. right i mean that's the problem yeah so uh you know that getting to do that for three years was was absolutely amazing yeah and and i was just so super excited about it but 
when I say I did it for three years, obviously something happened during the third year. So I, I knew something was changing in year three. Sure. Right. So why, why don't we get to, why don't we get to the next step of, course. of your journey? So of course. obviously you've moved to district deputy grandmaster. So, right. and I, and I am going to ask this each time who gave you the call. Mm -hmm. I know the thought process is probably somewhat the same, a right. little bigger, but go ahead and mm -hmm. give me that. So, when I was uh, a DEO in that first year, I love to share this story because it's just amazing the coincidences that we see. Yeah. Um, I had opportunity to go over to, at the time, Wright Worshipful Brother Shao's home. Yeah. And uh, he was meeting with all of the, the, the district deputies and the district education officers to kind of paint the picture for, for how this thing was going to look. And at one point, he and I got opportunity to talk by ourselves, and he said... Um, do you know, you know, your name's Bill Carter. Do you know a Bill Carter that works at such and such career center? Do you know him? Like a coincidence? Yeah. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. That's my father. Okay. And, and Rick said, he worked for me. He, Get used, out of he here. used to work on Rick's staff. So wow. I, I found out that there was this relationship. That was the part that I think that when the wall really fell, when I said, sure. you know, th this is, this is a really good man. Um, so, uh, you know, all through that time, I, I also got the benefit of Rick's guidance as well, right? Yeah. Because we realized that we'd had something in common and it, it was, it was really great. Um, so yeah, eventually that, that call came and of course it's, it, it's like you're doing it all over again, although it's even more severe this time because oh, yeah. you know what a district deputy grandmaster is, right? I, I, yeah. Not just a new title, sure. which you're going to hold for the rest of your life, but the responsibilities that are on you. I'd spent three years working with district deputy grandmasters, watching them do inspections, watching them deal with imperfect men, right? All sure. the things that they have to do. And suddenly... I knew that's what I was being asked. I wasn't being asked to be somebody special. I was being asked to take on a task that is difficult. Yeah. And, and that men invest so much time into, and, and sometimes even a little heartbreak that they have in oh, that sure. role and the things that they have to deal with. So, um, but it was great because by that time, uh, they had a nice budding relationship with with rick shaw yeah and yeah. uh was was so excited to see that and of course there's still that somewhat of that intimidation factor he's moving oh, yeah. through the grand lodge line and i'm watching where he's going and i'm thinking wow you know to be asked by somebody like this to serve this kind of a role yeah wow, it's, it's hard it's amazing it's, yeah. now and I, I like to look when i come to different lodges mm. because that's a very proud moment for lodges you know mm. to you know, not many men move to that position. That's right. right? That's so right. how many, how many, uh, de deputies does Dover have? So we were founded in 1874. Okay. We're celebrating our 150th year this year. Awesome. And, uh, in that 150 years, we've had a total of three district deputy grandmasters. The, th their three pictures are out on the wall. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Sure. So yeah, it's a very proud moment for the lodge. I, in fact, I remember the streamers. At the celebrations. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really, really great. You know, that, um, I'm going to cut that. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Um, the pride for, for the lodges, and, you know, I've recently just moved into this position. Mm -hmm. And 
trying to explain like to my family who is not mm-hmm. Masons. Right. You know, I'm I'm telling them, hey, you know, I got this new position, and mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just bubbling them like I can't believe it. Yeah, 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 and. They're kind of like, okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. And <laughs> and the only way that I finally got it to click was the same thing with the years. And we were at three. No and, kidding. And I'm like, you know, yeah. only three and I'm the fourth. Right. In a hundred and I think it's 155 years. Okay. I say yeah. Yeah. And, and then when you sit and think about that, mm. like I, even right now, I'm like, why me? Right. You 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 made a mistake. Somebody made. Oh yeah, they had absolutely. to make a mistake, right? Sure, sure. And, you know the weight of that mm. position, and you know what what during your journey as district deputy, what was the high point? Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, there's going to be a low point because it is. So yeah, g- give yeah. me give me a little bit of both as best you can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, really, the high point was becoming engaged with this group of men who had also served in that role. Yes. That was remarkable to get to really count yourself among those men. Um, Really an amazing thing. That and the fact that I mentioned to you that we've had now three district deputy grandmasters from this lodge. Our second district deputy grandmaster is the same man who raised me as a master Mason in this lodge. So, to to kind of count myself as somebody like him. Yeah. I'm referring to right worshipful brother Edgar Phelps. To to consider myself anywhere near him was absolutely huge. And that that really was such a high point. And I really did carry that with me during the entire time. There was uh, honestly it almost felt like Ed was always looking over my shoulder to see are you doing? <laughs> yeah, are you acting justice. the way I taught you? Right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's very important. So that, I mean, that was just a continual high point. It was a wonderful thing besides all the opportunities to work with brothers, to work with lodges, to, to yeah. understand the cultural differences that literally present themselves right down to how the lodges operate. I sure. mean, they're, they're, that's, they're... that's dramatic. It's, that was valuable because some of those things I could take back to my lodge some yes. of those things I could share with other lodges who might be struggling with, how do we do this? Well, let's talk about another lodge that is similar to you and here are the successes that they've had. Yeah. That's very much a high point. I think from a low point perspective and maybe everybody assumes that I should have known this is that you are going to deal with the worst in human nature. The, sure. the bottom line is we are flawed individuals. Yes. So uh, unfortunately, I, I had to deal with things that I really thought never would exist in this fraternity. Yes. I really did. And I, I can remember at one point during a, a moment when I was able to talk with a, a trustworthy brother that I could express the feelings without naming names or anything yeah, to that right, effect. Right. And I said, um, you know, this does not exist in masonry. And he, in his wisdom, he kind of smiled and laughed at me. This is Brother John Ferguson, who is now our worshipful master. He was just installed. Okay. Uh, he kind of smiled and laughed at me and and made me aware of my own ignorance <laughs> on that, right? <laughs> right. And, and realizing that we are flawed individuals. Sure. And, and we need to learn to embrace those flaws in a way that we continue to build each other up rather than saying, we're going to marginalize you or your flaw means that I can't be your brother anymore. We really have to put our arms around each other because, and you said this beautifully at the outset, we are all walking different paths. We have different backgrounds. We come from different religious uh, organizations. We come from different experiential situations in our lives. 
So how do we embrace each other uh, knowing that we're flawed individuals and how do we build each other up? So that, that was, that was really the low point where I really had to come to that understanding. And you might think it took you becoming a district deputy. Well, it did sure. because you, you are the representative of the grandmaster, which means you're going to have to make the sausage at yeah, some point, right? right. You, you have to do that in his stead. He can't be everywhere right. at the same right. time. So it was a low point, but it, it almost turns into a high point because it was a critical moment of learning for me. Sure, 100%. sure. Now, when you take this office, and you said it before, when you walk in as a DEO, everybody cheers. When you walk in as a deputy, everybody, oh, what? Was that something that, you know, you tried to work to maybe break that wall down a little bit? Because I know myself, I I don't ever want to walk into a lodge and be feared. Or, Absolutely. You know, that's like, that's just not Mm. any reason why I joined this fraternity, sure, you know? Sure. So, so what did you do to work through that and to that? Yep. You know, uh, I, I don't have the prettiest smile, but I would always smile. Honestly, <laughs> sure. yeah. you know, it, it really was so important for brothers to hopefully get the sense that I was coming in as a brother as well. One of the things that, uh, that Rick Shaw talked to me a lot about is the fact that as a district deputy, you'll often walk into a lodge room and there may be a group that will surround you, particularly officers, for example. Always make sure that you look for that brother that's sitting off by himself. Yes. Go spend some time with him. Yes, I right? love that. And and so super lesson for me to do that because, again, as I shared with you at the outset of us talking today, Mrs. Carter and I had decided a long time ago that we didn't need other people. Yeah. Right. Which also meant there wasn't a lot of opportunity. I shared that I, I traveled a lot for work. I'll tell you a lot of times I would do the work that I had to do when I was out of town. And then I would go immediately back to my hotel room because I didn't need to go socialize. I didn't need yeah. to go out and drink with people that quite honestly, I don't even know them. Right. I'm flying into town to help you with something. I don't know you. Yeah. What do right. I have to talk about with you? Well, you can only talk about the weather for so long, right? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Now here is Rick Shaw as a district advisor telling me you need to find that guy who's sitting by himself and you need to be comfortable walking over to him and striking up that conversation. Yeah. So that's really kind of uh, certainly what I endeavored to do was to have the smile, hopefully disarm and, and help folks realize I'm here for a functional reason. Yeah. But to also look for that individual, be ready to be social with them, wrap your arm around them. Because I'll tell you, believe it or not, and, and I know you're, if you haven't seen it already, you're going to see it. Those men respect that office. Now, that, that's an important distinction. They don't, yeah. it's not that you're the king, right? Sure. It's not that you are a step above. But it's an office. And for the man who occupies that office that they know is very busy and is very concerned with, with things that are momentous in this fraternity, for sure. them to take a moment and sit down with that individual sitting by himself in a corner, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Very, very valuable lesson right? That, that I got to take. This whole thing has been a series of lessons. And yeah, right. right? It's, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that Ashler keeps coming up. It does, yeah, for some reason. So, so you go through... And you, was it three years at deputy as well? It was not. Okay. It, it was only two years for okay. deputy. Uh, for some reason, I got cut off a little early. Okay. Uh, why, don't, why don't you expound on that? Sure. While we're here. All right. So uh, here I am as, as a, a district deputy grandmaster, and um, our district advisor, Rick Shaw, is uh, has gotten to the point where he needs to start 
planning as as sure. you know deputy grandmaster it's a very very heavy planning year and uh, so he was having to um you know get all those things together well as i shared with you we'd, we'd kind of started building a little bit of a relationship yeah and uh upon a time he said Ed, why don't you uh, meet my lady and i you and your wife meet my lady and i we're gonna go out and have pizza it's a nice little pizza place uh kind of midway between he and i so we went out and we we had some pizza and it was you know just a a fun night we always had a lot of fun yeah. you know laughing and, and joking we the, the four of us get along really well and he said, you know, why don't you come on back to the house and, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll spend a little bit of time at the house, you know, because we're kind of in the middle of the conversation. Yeah. Came back to the house and uh, we have an absolutely uh, lovely house. Um, we, we were sat down and we were talking. And so we, we started, as Masons do, we get into the business, right? That's where the sure. women usually roll their eyes like, oh, yeah, here they here go, right? Go. They're going to start talking business. <laughs> so, you know, we, we start talking business and I'm thinking, okay, you know, here I am. I'm in my second year of, of district deputy and he's getting very close. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to get some guidance here on, on what yeah. needs to happen. And uh, that was the moment that I never could have possibly imagined sure. would happen, which was... Uh, him indicating that he had to make some decisions as the incoming grandmaster and um, had to select somebody to be junior grand deacon. Yeah. And uh, he, he asked me that question and I, I couldn't answer. I, I literally froze. And, and yeah. he, it was funny because he said, you know what that means, right? Yeah, right, right. And and for for those that are listening in in the the Grand Lodge of Ohio, that is the first potential step toward moving through uh, the Grand Lodge line. Right. And and so of course I knew what that meant. Right. Yeah. I, I'd watched people do. I watched him all through his years in moving, yeah. progressing through that line. And you know he, he he made it very clear to me. Look, this is it's it's a one year appointment. There are no guarantees on this, but sure. it's a very serious thing that I'm asking you to do. And uh, I think he could probably see it on my face that I was in no condition to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, right? right. So he he literally said, "You need to go. You know, go home. Go think about it." Yeah. Right? And and we tried to carry on a conversation for you know another hour and I. Jim, I'll be really honest with you, and I Blubber. know he's going to hear this. I I have no idea what he said after that. Yeah, <laughs> I have no sure. idea what we talked about, right? right? Because literally, this thing is is banging through my mind. But literally on the way home, and and this is this is such an important part of this because being a part of the the Grand Lodge is much more than just the man's decision because this is going to yes. dramatically impact your family. Sure. You know, if you're married, your spouse, it's going to impact your spouse. We had a young daughter at the time. Right. You know, she hadn't even reached her teenage years yet. So what does that mean? And yeah, knowing yeah. how all the travels and all the things that you have to do and the work that you're going to put into this. Right. So we, we got into the car, my, my wife and I, and, um, uh, Again, I, your listeners are going to find it hard to believe, but I had no words at the time. Uh, and, and uh, you know, she she kind of turned to me and, and asked me what I thought. And I, I told her I was stunned, of course. You know, she, yeah. she's about the only other person that can make me that way. Yeah. Uh, and and I said, what do you think? You know, do you would you be OK with this? Well, she obviously had her faculties much more than I did. She, she said, heck yes. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. We yeah. should do this thing. But it's it still, I, I still took a, a week to, to do it, um, but eventually came back and, and said yes, which meant I cut my cut potential your... third year off, right, by accepting that appointment and, and the new adventure. 
literally began immediately because now it was time to plan and talk through all the things that Rick was going to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was stunning. It was stunning. Well, from an outsider looking in, you made the right decision. <laughs> you <know? laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, and you know where you're at at this point, mm-hmm. um, as deputy grandmaster, what, what point, once he asks you, because you know the end game. Yes, of course. It, you know, obviously there are appointments, but right. but that, if it goes that, well, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, at what point do you think, okay, I need to have my ducks in a row? Mm-hmm. You know, is mm-hmm. that like in the middle of when Rick's talking to you, all that stuff's flying around in there, and you, yeah. you know, what or you know, when do when does that when do your feet hit the ground and say, okay, mm-hmm. now. I kind of see how it's moving and then you start setting up for the future. Right. You know, one of the many qualities that I love about Rick is that he is a tremendous documenter. He, okay. he, he loves uh, and, and is effective at documenting. So I began to have some immediate insight into all the things that he had done. F- funny story. I'll never forget this. Um, he was so busy in, in preparing to be deputy grandmaster that at, at one time he and I were going to meet for lunch. So we started meeting very regularly. We'd meet for lunch. Uh, my work is, I'm fortunate enough that I work out of home office. So I don't, oh, yeah. I don't have an office that I go to. Sure. So I'm able to get away for lunch. Yeah. So he and I would make uh, regular lunches together, probably more regular than even Mrs. Carter likes. But <laughs> we right. would, uh, we sat down for lunch one day and um, Rick was particularly red. Uh, okay. in, in the face yeah, and, yeah. and I could tell he was he was very busy and, and it was there were just so many things he was working on and he had just come from doing that and he was so flustered that uh, at, at the end of the meal we got the proverbial padding of the pockets oh my gosh where's my wallet I forgot to bring my wallet oh. right so he was literally that flustered somebody who is so excellent at planning it it's a lot it's a lot yeah but because he was so open with me about that, I, I had the opportunity to watch so and, and see how he's planning. So yeah. quite honestly, the, the, if there was a sense of anxiety that came literally from the beginning, it was the sense of, you got to get going with this. You've got to start planning this stuff yeah. right now, years yeah, you can't in wait. advance. Sure. So uh, it, it, that, that lesson that I learned as a worshipful master about being hyper aware it got tested again because this the, now it's an, it's on another level entirely yeah, right yeah. now you're not dealing with a room you're dealing with a state yeah right sure, and it, sure. It, it became uh, very apparent to me that i was going to have to kick up my game from from the perspective of being aware of things and I, i'm still not perfect at it i know i'm not but, yeah yeah so and you know i don't want to hit every position because yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. No we need. don't have all no need. Know, all yeah. night and my wife is expecting me at some point i would to show imagine up. so yes <laughs> but you know we're actually we're doing pretty yeah, good yeah we're doing good um along the journey mm-hmm. from the start to deputy grandmaster give me mm-hmm. some high points mm-hmm. points that stick out or just like mm-hmm. you, get, you can just sit back and just grin and be like that's the good stuff yeah, like yeah. what yeah. you know and everybody has through their entire journey but what are a few points along the way that's like you know what? All the travel, all the stress, it was all yeah. worth it for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, there, there's so much gratitude in this journey that it, it does become a little bit difficult to distill that. Sure. I, th- I think one of the easiest ways that I can distill that is to to talk about some of the men who were so impactful oh, yeah. to me. Right? Yeah, sure. And and I think of it right from the start. I, I think of, of Jess Raines. Uh, one of the most impactful things 
that happened um, with Jess Rains, and I, I don't know if I've ever fully expressed this to him, but when a short time after he had become grandmaster, yeah. uh, I lost my younger brother. Uh, oh, he he my passed God. away. Sorry. Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of knew that, that it, it could be coming. I mean, we did, but nothing really prepares you for that. I mean, you've grown up with this person. It's, yeah, you know, right. They're other than your parents, there, sure. they, they've always been there. And, and uh, I, I can always remember, uh, again, keeping in mind that this is the guy who doesn't need anybody, right? I, I'll <laughs> always remember walking into the, the next event uh, after I'd lost my brother. Of course, we'd converged from all parts of the state. Yeah. And uh, Jess Rains made a point to come up to me and actually took my shoulders in both of his hands, right? So yeah. very, you know, very close. And um, I, I just, I felt such love from him when he did sure. that. And he, he expressed his, his sympathies and asked if I was okay. And and that told me that, yeah, and Jess Rains is a fantastic speaker, you know, yeah. very, oh, very yeah. polished right. speaker. Right. Sure. And yet here's a heart coming out of this man that was that was just amazing. Um. And, and, you know, and, and it, it continues through there. You know, I, I think about um, when when Keith Newton became Grandmaster and, and boom, we smacked right into COVID. Oh, my God. And uh, I, I, you know, I won't rehash what I said, but uh, to kind of summarize it, when I had opportunity to speak at his banquet when he had finished up his term, sure. it really is my belief that the divine put Keith Newton in that role because we needed that man. You want to talk about a man whose heart is as soft as you can possibly oh imagine. That is a One beautiful man. That is a beautiful man. Yeah. Um, and, and so to me that, that taught me the importance of having that soft heart, regardless of, of what you, the things that you're going to see, you know, I think of, of Rich Dickerscheid, who is a man who, uh, you know, I, I hold incredibly dear to me. Sure. And, and the lessons that, that he taught me about what it means to be in a role like this, but to be so approachable, to be so friendly, to yes. be somebody that, yes. that you really could relate to. And, and his wife, uh, she was one that, that my wife immediately gravitated oh, yeah. toward when we came into the line. Yeah, yeah. She absolutely loved Rich's wife. Um, you know, uh, Tim Whelan, Tim, Tim brings such a such a, uh, an intellect and uh, a um, just a, a I, I almost think of it as a brilliant understanding of how to take a body of information and analyze it and and begin to try to derive insights out of that plus Tim is a really fun guy I mean oh you know, yeah so to me yeah. uh, what I loved was the fact that you could have a great time with these people but you also knew that they had skills right sure. they had they had capabilities yeah, yeah, yeah. and and, uh, you know, I, I think of, of, um, of Steve Grindle, Steve was somebody that I, I really, uh, whether it was two ways or not, cause Steve obviously, you know, a couple in front of me, Yeah. but I really gravitated towards Steve because he, you know, he, he's a leader in business. Um, the, the, the thing that I love about Steve and he, he may not agree with this, but, uh, he, he doesn't rattle very easily. I admire that in him. He really doesn't rattle. Yeah. Uh, he knows how to, to deal with these things. So that, that taught me a, an amazing lesson. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, our, our, our current grandmaster, I, I love the man because we've been close for so long. I've literally walked this path Oh yeah. alongside Paul and, uh, I, it feels so weird to call him Paul, right? He's a city <laughs> yeah, grandmaster, right? right? Sorry, most worshipful. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, 
that still was a lot of things that I, I, I just shared, and, yeah. but I, I have to crystallize them in the people because they taught me so much. And of course, I'm incredibly biased toward my Masonic father, a man sure. who who exhibited such a massive presence, who who had this insight. You know, I think of the insights he had and the things that he did for the veterans, and that stuff still carries today. Oh, my God. I think of the Grand Lodge session when he asked for the eldest Mason and the youngest Mason to come up and sit in the East with him. I look at him with a sense of awe, and I think, how do you see these things? Yeah. How do you see these yeah. things? So, I mean, all of those things have, have been a part of this journey and, and have just have really shaped my view on the leadership in this fraternity as well and the trust that I put in my brothers when they make a decision sure whether they understand okay well who's, you know what name should I write in next who's the next guy on yeah. that and that that does happen but I I think there's wisdom in in the body of our brothers and those men who come to the grand communication and cast those votes I think it's very important we can't lose sight of that fact right oh yeah we are here because those brothers put you there yes. the only reason i ever came to be part of this thing is because one man in this world said that's the guy right? yeah that was the exposure so don't get too big-headed about this thing because right. it all depends on these people yeah entirely you know and, and just talking about with rick i i think of our just our outgoing master jack barnhouse he mm -hmm. wears veterans pin proud yes. like that yes. is he is one of the most proud of that pin mm. and and to think of your journey and you know i knew that he appointed you because yes. you know i just do but but to hear the backstory it mm. isn't just which that's such a huge honor but mm. all the way at the beginning you mm. know in the beginning right yes yeah. you know yeah. when when you see this presence at that Scottish Rite reunion. That's right. And then you've got three calls, you That's know, right. for DEO and deputy and this, you know, it just, I love how those meaningful connections come mm. together and that cement of brotherly love Mm. just continues to strengthen each other that that's beautiful it is beautiful and you know um with with no respect to my own late father and my, my you know so much love for my my biological my dad sure, right absolutely so much love for him and and all that he did and all that he sacrificed to to raise my brother and i and to to you know be a husband to my mother um Rick Shaw is, I, I call him Papa, and I say that really from inside my heart. I love that man. Yeah. I really do. He and I spend time together as often as we can. Not as often I was, as I would like because of my own schedule, right? Sure. And professional as well as the Masonic fraternity. But this is a man that I know I, I can trust with everything. Um, yeah. I, I can be open with him. I know that he will give me guidance. Uh, I know that Rick does not like yes men. Uh, he <laughs> yeah, he right. wants to be challenged, and yeah. in turn, he will challenge you. But um, he, he he's my papa. He, I, I feel toward him the love that a son would feel for a father. I yeah. really do. And I'm very lucky to have that sure. relationship with him. You know, you talk about when you came into the lodge as a deputy yes. and yeah. smiling and meeting with that one individual that's setting off the sideline. Right. My first Grand Lodge experience in Dayton he was walking down the hallway and I was walking and I was timid enough to not be able to say hi. Cause I'm, yes, of course. And he's like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? I'm Rick. I'm like, the right point of my name. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. And, and you know, what, once you journey with, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to 
get a lot of exposure with you gentlemen. Mm. And yes, you guys are go-getters, but you're Masons. You're mm. just Masons. You know, yeah. pants go on the same way. You still do. love the craft the same. And right. that, that's what I like to tell anybody that's out there. Talk to them. Ask mm. them. Don't be, in, you know, my first time, I I can remember we were at Negley Lodge and it was a mm. reconsecration. I'm like, who are these guys? Oh, you know, what is this gold? Yes. I don't I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk to these guys. Right. You know, <laughs> so I love that. I love mm. that. I love that he did that and, and mm. continued that. Yeah, absolutely. So annual communication. Yes. You're elected deputy grandmaster. Mm. Right. And, and obviously you still have to be elected to the big chair. That's right. So that, that is still obviously out there. So we can't say it's a certainty, but you know what this year entails. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it's a lot of nose to the grindstone. It is. So how's it going? (laughs) And we're we're, we're early on, but you know, yeah. No, it's, it's actually, it's going really well Uh, again, because of the lessons that, that I've been taught and the men that have come before me. Yeah. Um, a lot of the plans are laid down, especially some of the more complex ones of trying to coordinate events that, that we do every year. Things like reconsecrations and receptions and cornerstones yeah, and, sure. and all those things. That's going really well. Um, I, I have a schedule laid out for rollout come August. It's, it's ready to go. And I've not reached out to the locations yet because we're in election and installation season. Sure. So we need to get the leadership put in place. But all of that is good. I have had an amazing committee. Uh, led by right worshipful brother Martin Woodworth, he is incredible. That's that's an individual you want something done, he's, he's going to get guy. it done, right? Okay. He is going to get it done. Um, but an incredible committee, um, people raising funds. You know, the sure. the interesting thing is, um, and I, I, I this is a little bit of a joke because we always talk about all the lapel pins that that oh yeah you know right? masons love to wear sure. and lapel extenders for more <laughs> pins and, yes. and so forth. But uh, you know, there's a cost that comes with yeah, that. They're not and what I think a lot of people don't realize is that the way that those pins and all that, you know, all the fun stuff that comes with it, the way that that's paid for is the fact that you've got brothers who, who donate. Yeah. Right. It's the, 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 the fundraising. So I've, I've had, you know, a, a great group of fundraisers, you know, and I, I'd start naming names, but we'll be here all night if I do. Sure. Um, but just a, a great group of fundraisers and that has gone very well. So, you know, the, the finances are locked in, the location Good. is locked in, the, the calendar is is Coming almost together. full, yeah, right? right? It's <laughs> almost full. Um, there's still spots, but, uh, you know, it's filling up very rapidly. Now it becomes a matter of, and, and this is where I think you're going to appreciate this, the spreadsheet, the checklist yeah. is forefront on the computer, right? And and constantly checking at the timeline, right? Sure. Thanks to Most Worship Brother Kaler for that, right? And, and oh, yeah. supplying that. So I literally, on a month-by-month basis, know this is the month where you need to do this, you need to do that. So it's going well from a preparation standpoint. Sure. From a mental standpoint, just like it felt that day on Rick's couch when he asked me yeah. to, to be his appointment, um, it's still unreal. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, and I'm still to this day saying, why me? Yeah. Right? Why me? Why, why am I the person in this role? You know... That's why. Maybe. I think that's why. And, you know, I think that's what Jess was saying, too. He's like, if you're if you're saying, I'm the next Grandmaster, mm. yeah, I don't know how that year is going to go. And that doesn't mean it, it can't go great. But yeah, yeah. 
those guys that are still humble, still excited, mm. still still working towards it. That's it's going to yeah. be a great year. I'm excited. Uh, I every, that, I mean, yeah. every year that I get to be a Mason's a great well, year. Absolutely, so, absolutely. You know, you know the, I think one of the most important things to remember, and this holds true whether you're a worshipful master, uh, you know, a DEO and deputy, or you you get this opportunity of of a journey of a lifetime. The truth of the matter is, you came from the quarries, and you're yes. going to return to the quarries. Yes, that is the the lesson of the level. You have been elevated by your brothers, but you are only elevated for a time. For a time, I love right? that. So so very important to remember that, and and that really needs to guide everything that you do. If it becomes about yourself, you're going to miss everything out yes. there. Right. That's you know, two episodes ago, we had uh, most worship brother Daryl Fremont from yes. Iowa. Yes, he said the exact same. Thing, yes, exactly. Which is perfect. Wisdom, absolutely perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. So. One of the things you do on social media, and it, it's random, but mm. I love it, mm. is that's why I'm a Freemason. Yes. And they they always move me. They're oh, always, and you know, some seed in better than others with everything, yeah. right? Yeah. What what was the reason? What, what happened? You just wanted to start, this is what I am. This is why, you know, mm. where it came from. You know, I find myself dissatisfied when when an individual is asked, what is this Freemasonry thing? And, and look, I've had plenty of opportunities dressed in a full tuxedo to stop at the gas station and fill the car up and sure. go You're in and pay. And people are like, what are you at a wedding? What are you doing? Right. Yeah. I'm so dissatisfied. And I think the the general public is dissatisfied when they ask about Freemasonry and we come back with something like, we make good men better, or uh, we're, you know, the quote unquote esoteric guys that say we're a peculiar system of morality, veiled <laughs> in allegory, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean anything yeah. to, to, to the, the general public um, who, who thinks that social media is social, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it really stems from that dissatisfaction that when, when somebody, I think you need to understand the, the basic element of human nature. And it really comes out when we're, when we're little toddlers. The little toddlers aren't asking questions about what. Yeah. They're asking why. And they'll, they'll, they'll repeat it. Ad nauseum. Oh, yeah. right? Why? Why? Well, you don't want to do this. Why? Well, because you hurt yourself. Why? Well, because that thing's hot. Why? Because yeah. electricity is being applied and there's high resistance. Why? Right? <laughs> yeah. It just it, it goes on and on, right? Sure. I really think that that's at the base of the human beings attempt to explore the world that's around them. Yeah. All of us have that desire. There are people in this world that don't realize the divine that surrounds us. They're very caught up in the materialistic things, yeah. but the why is still in them. And that is what appeals to them. The reason for my posting those things on Facebook is these are things that it just in the, the, even in the ordinary process of the day, Masonry has shaped and, and, and changed my life so much that these literally hit like flashes of inspiration. Yeah. This is yet another reason why. And so part of the reason I put them out on social media, right, that not social social yeah. media, is that my hope is that it will stimulate every Mason sure. to think about why they're a Mason. Not what. Don't worry about what. And don't, 
we can certainly talk about how. What, what, a lot of people will say, what is masonry? And our response will be, well, we, we meet every, you know, twice a month and we yeah, have sure. dinner and we, you know, confer degrees. That's how. That's not why. That's not yeah. why you're a mason. Really would, I, I think we could fundamentally change how society perceives this institution if we could take a moment just to explain why. Even though they ask what? What is masonry? And yeah. we respond with a why answer, yeah. right? Sure. It's, it's the elevator pitch, yeah. right? So that, that's really the, the, the reason behind why those things get posted. I, I've actually had threats from Wright Worshipful Brother Kapensky that he's going to compile them <laughs> into okay. a book, right? And, sure. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there's enough. Maybe there are enough. I'm not sure. I've been doing it for a lot of years. But if I really had a wish for each one of my brothers, it would be that they could take the time to sure. articulate their why. And, and that's the good news because we see brothers doing it. Right. I don't know if you've noticed yeah, that on I've, Facebook. I've, I was going to bring it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've it. got brothers who start posting that. And um, to, to be really transparent with you, I will go out of my way to acknowledge that post because that, in my opinion, is what a craftsman can do yeah. to literally move this fraternity forward. You probably know that I'm doing a fundraiser right now with, of course, and we talked about yeah, fundraising with a sure. tie that has a certain design on it. Yes, I do. That design has a deep esoteric meaning that goes to the reason that I post those. That's why I'm a Freemason post. Sure. Now the esoteric guys, hopefully they're trying to work on it and figure out what that sentence says in there. Right. But um, really that, that is truly my wish because that would fundamentally change the game. Otherwise, we are trying to compete with organizations that arguably do it better than we do. Sure. The United Way bury us, buries us in terms of, of, of the charity that, that they provide. Yeah. I mean, they, they just do. Uh, I love our degrees, but Netflix is fantastic. Right? Oh, yeah. Our spaghetti dinners, wonderful, but DoorDash. Yeah. Right? It, it comes from the fancy restaurants, right? Yeah, and right. That, that, that stuff is good. And, you know, the opportunities for social engagement and, and all those things. Good hows, good what's. Yeah. Not a why. Not a why. If yeah. we get there, I think then we change the game. I like that. I like, yeah. and I kind of moved right in. That was kind of your elevator pitch, right? On the almost kind of yeah. rolled all it's in almost, there. And we'll yeah. get to that. But yeah. I, I love the why aspect because, you know, being on episode 75 of a podcast awesome past master right. ceo deputy right. that is a question that i still stumble over of course because it's hard of course it's hard to put that into words the it feelings is. the loves the brotherhood yeah. and i love changing that to instead of saying make mm. good men better you know which mm. is, we do we do but yeah. why the why my, right. my favorite one and i had to write it down because i mm. I botch everything. So because we know that diversity is the splendor of humanity, which is only polluted when it is used to divide. That's why I'm a Freemason. I yep. love that. Yep. I, I remember the day that. it yep. came up. Yep. I screenshotted it nice. and it was sitting on standby for this podcast. Cause wonderful. Cause that was one that, and, and from there I've seen multiple people. Mm. That's why I'm a Freemason. I'm like, yeah. All right, we got yeah. something here. Might be working. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's happening. No, that's good. That's good. So we got to switch gears. Okay. Because I know you like some of the fantasy realm. 
Yes. And I, I have to go there because that's my <laughs> that's my thing. I just listened to if you if you listen to Craftcast, mm. the English podcast, they just did a podcast on um, fantasy lodges. Like they actually, oh, yes. you know, they they carry lightsabers instead of staffs. Oh, that's There's so a whole, awesome. You know, and, yeah, and like, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking like, whoa. That's kind of cool, yeah. Let me look in the code here. Well, how is that any different than a Civil War Lodge? Absolutely. Yeah, right? I love it. Right, oh, that's really starting. And between that and, you know, Tim Klein and I are back and forth. Yes. On, well, what about this? What about, yeah, you know, yeah, so. Of course. So, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Oh, my goodness. So, growing up, yeah, and that, that's going to give you the answer right there, right? Since sure. Harry Potter is a, a relatively recent phenomenon, um, I can remember my mother reading The Lord of the Rings to myself and my brother. Awesome. So I have always been a Lord of the Rings guy. I watch Harry Potter and I view it from the lens okay. of Tolkien, right? <laughs> sure, so, so sure. yeah, absolutely 100% a Lord of the Rings guy. I always wanted to be Gandalf when I was a kid, right? All so right. we'd go play in the woods okay. and I have my staff. And yeah, I know I'm, I'm that weird guy. I'm in, I, I'm in IT. You had to know this. You got to. Who I right. am, right? Yeah. Are, we, are we films or are you reading? Uh, so originally reading, uh, funny story, I had read through the, the whole series multiple times and even some of the side books, The Silmarillion, The Unfinished yeah. Tales. Oh my right? God. That's All of those. A heavy reading. Ma- oh, it's, yeah, <laughs> right? You're not kidding. I don't think they'll ever make a movie out of that no, one because it's impossible. Geez. But um, I remember when Peter Jackson's movies came out, the, the Lord of the Rings movies, and there is the scene where they raise the flames of Gondor, oh God, right? That's the best. I have that. I listen to that yeah. at least two or three times a week. There the you lighting, go, right? Lighting of the beacons. That's right. Yeah. When the beacons came. I had read that for years. I have to tell you that when I saw that in the theater on that massive screen. Was I, that I, what it was I, in I your... got I got a little misty, okay. right? I'm like, yeah, oh my, yeah. it, there it is, right? There it is. I've been reading about this forever. They did such a great job with those movies. Yes. But yeah, that was, uh, I. it was always from the books, but I did enjoy the movies. I didn't think they could do what they did. I'm a kid that grew up with VHS tape as opposed to Betamax, yes. right? Yes. Right. Uh, literally playing the old... Um, uh, it was it was the animated version of the Lord of the yeah, Rings that they the it was live actors that they had kind of painted over yes, and yes. That, that's what I watched. So when nice. I saw this, oh, Mind I can't blowing. believe you brought it. Yeah, exactly. I had never. Uh, th- this is sad to say, as somebody that loves sci-fi fantasy, yes. never even heard of it. Okay. Oh, is that right? That's yeah. how closeted I was in yeah, Clum- yeah. in Columbiana County. <laughs> no kidding. You know? No kidding. And. I had bought it on a whim. Buddy I was mm. with said, listen, you got to buy this. Yeah. It sat on my shelf for like eight months, the first movie. No kidding. And wow. I went to bed. My brother's like, listen, I'm going to watch this. I'm like, yeah, why I, not? I don't care. It's like yeah. 11 o'clock. I have an 8 o'clock sure. uh, class. Oh, no. drive an hour to college. <laughs> right. I don't. Like eight minutes later, he comes in. He's like, get up right now. You get up right now. Really? And it was that opening scene. Yeah. You know, where yeah. Sauron's. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, the, I was locked in. And at the end, I'm like, what the heck is happening? There's, mm, this isn't the mm, end. I didn't right. know there was a trilogy. I didn't oh, know yes. any. Yeah. I mean, it completely, yeah. it broke my heart at the end. I'm like, wait a minute. I got to wait? Yeah. For the, oh, so then gosh, I started yeah. digging. And I was like, holy Toledo, what yeah. am I missing? Yeah. So now oh, I've dedicated my so life funny. to Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, and listen, let's not talk bad about Harry Potter. I enjoy oh, it. My, yeah. my daughter certainly enjoys the heck out of it. Um, sure. We went to Harry Potter World down in Florida. Man, if you get a chance to do that, that is cool. That's where it's that's, at. Okay. That's pretty close to it being in real life. It's not bad. All right. My, bad. my wife's huge, huge Harry Potter. Read all the books and 
I so get it. I've, yeah. I've read three of the books and mm. kind of trail off. I have a problem with yeah. buying a lot of books and then I'm, I'm here oh and my there gosh. and I'm, you know. I don't want to show you all my bookshelves. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you 100%. <laughs> what about Star Wars? Where are you ranking Star Wars in the, in the realm? So uh, Star Wars was, was pivotal for me, but I, I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of a caveat on it. I'm an old school Star Wars. I'm the first three, right? Episodes the, the four, original. five, and six. That's it. Not the, oh, I don't, okay. I don't, I've, I've never really been interested in watching the other ones. In fact, I was oh. grossly offended <laughs> and okay. I'm saying that you sure. know, jokingly, but, sure, sure. but I happened to buy a DVD set because I wanted to make sure that I had the DVDs of star Wars. And yeah. I remember playing, you know, the, the very first episode, the new hope and the scene where they were going into the city, you know, in the, the, the oh, famous yeah. bar with the famous song that everybody was yeah. that, 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 and, and there were CGI characters in there. And I was grossly offended at that. There are not supposed to be CGI characters yeah. in here, but they had enhanced sure. the movie. Right, right? Right, right. So, yeah, massive, loved, loved Star Wars. I even had a friend. I, I, he was uh, a friend in elementary school. I've completely lost touch with him because we moved a lot when I was a kid. But he was into it even more than me. And he, his, uh, his mother used to make things out of clay. And oh. so he had all of the Star Wars characters fired in a kiln and painted. And wow. I just thought he was the coolest guy because he had all the figures. Right? I, I had the little plastic ones that you used to buy at the yeah, grocery yeah, store, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And, and all that stuff. So, so you Star Wars guy? or Oh, my God. Okay. And, and so you, who's your favorite character? There, there's got to be a favorite. You know what? Probably Mace Windu. And I know you don't, oh, you don't know. Well, him. I have no idea what so, that is. Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> this is a learning opportunity. <laughs> no, that's right. You know what? I, um, I love all of it. I nice. love all of it, and nice. you know I see the the flaws of the 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 or the trilogy that came out the mm. one two and three yes, um, and then the same with seven eight nine yeah. But in the end, I'm I'm like more Star Wars is good Star yeah, Wars oh, yeah, in my world because yeah. because I spent a lot of time mm. with just three, and my mm. brother and I we would rent them from the library. Oh, you know, I love that, it. That's, yeah. And then we would just sit and we would put a cover over our window because we had. We yes. We watch all three. Lose yourself. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, I like that. You know, honestly, I think what turned me off of the, the newer series, because I did try. Sure. The first one, I think it was Jar Jar Binks. Oh, the worst. I think He's that's what threw worst. me off there. I was like, this is completely not in line it's with terrible. the spirit of this. I just, <laughs> it just ruined me. You know, and, and it's completely a side note, and it's only because I'm watching it right now. Yeah. If, I don't know if you have Disney Plus. I do. But. Have you watched Light and Magic? I've not. No. All that is, is I think it's five or six part series mm. on how they formed Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, and now that would I, be good. I've watched it one time the whole way through. I'm rewatching it mm. because it's there were no special effects. No, there weren't. Like Star Wars. Oh yes, and it's it's literally them building this up, and it's kind of maybe it hits home because it's sort of a little Freemasonry in the sense yeah. of. One guy knew another guy, and then like mm. it was like a band of brothers. I yes, was, you know. Yes, and so if you get a if you get a free, I will watch free that, moment. Yeah. I know you I don't watch a lot, a lot of, of TV, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is one where it's like my wife's sitting there who has no interest in mm. how movies are made. And I'm like, look at this, look at this, and she's like, mm. she's giving me a look like this. Yeah, that's enough talk. <laughs> but but yeah, check that out. If I you, will absolutely in all your free good. time you have. Right? Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, all that leisure. Right. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. Oh. And, and the only reason I knew you're a fan is yes. on the whim, I saw it. 
and I'm like, I'm going to watch it. It's been a minute since I watched yeah, it. And, yeah. he, you know, he's pushing the wheel of doom. He's oh, my goodness, yeah. And I screamed yes. so that, and you put Conan the Barbarian for the win. I'm right, right. Yes, <laughs> okay. He's, he's right? one of those, yeah. Yes, yes. What, what do you think of that? How does it hold up? Do you watch it regularly? I, I do. I love it. I, I love do. It. I repeat it. And, you know, so I love Barbarian. Uh, I, I love Destroyer. Yeah. Um, not as much, but it was it was good. It's still good. And then, you know, I, I think any movie buffs that, that follow kind of that Robert Howard series knows that Red Sonja was a Conan movie, but they yeah. had to remove it because of legal issues and so forth. So sure. it all became about the, the lady who was the star. Um, but uh, Schwarzenegger, big for me. Oh, right? man. Growing up with him, I, I used to have hair that went down to my shoulders. <laughs> okay. When I went to college, I'm trying to remember which movie. It might have been the Terminator movies. Yeah, I think it was Terminator 2. Schwarzenegger with that flat top haircut. Yeah. I said, I'm getting that. You we had, a, we had a, a barbershop at Ohio State <laughs> run by a bunch of Navy guys. Yeah. And I went in there. I said, I want a flat top. And it's been that way ever since. It was a flat top for a long time. And then I just yeah. thought, you know what? I'm spending so much money on shaving cream and um, alum bars to try to get yeah, that to stay. Right? I'm just going to shave it off. Yeah. So it's been like that ever since. But it was that was Schwarzenegger that caused that. Oh man! So I mean, I I just I love all of his stuff, and, sure. and uh, there's a there's actually a, a Schwarzenegger documentary out right now. That's yeah, that's a it's great pretty one. fascinating because he's a he's a flawed individual, right? There, he admits yeah. his flaws, yeah, um, um, but uh, always a hero ever since I was a kid. Awesome. So yeah, I got to go with the Conan movies now. And the next, just fantasy wise, have you heard of? And and I know you may have because of a blog that came out. Mm. The Wheel of Time series. Of course, I've heard of it. Okay. Yes. Say, and if I, if you hadn't, I'd be like, why aren't you not looking yeah, at our blog? With you? Why are yes. you not looking at our blogs? We post? <laughs> <laughs> but have you, have you checked that out? Have you read it? I started on it. I did not complete it. So okay. I'm, I, and it's been long enough that I'm going to have to go back. Sure. And and start it over again. So this is one of the things that I'm looking forward to at some point, uh, depending yeah, on how this journey time. plays yeah. out, is to sure. to go back to that that time of. I, and I hate to say it this way because I think it's valuable to the human spirit, but it, it's the frivolous fun, right? Yeah. I'm sure. not building anything when I read those books. I'm no. just enjoying just them. Just enjoying the um, escape. And it's it, it's fun to do that. But we've we've got we've got an awful lot to build right now. So sure. we're gonna hang tight until that opportunity comes around. I'm thinking a cruise ship, a book oh, up yeah. on deck. That might be the yeah, way to do it, that. right? <laughs> Great. Now do it right. Like like I, my favorite series is wheel of time and i just yeah. recently found out that robert jordan was a freemason so that like yeah it brought the whole thing i'm like now i get it yeah. it's divine intervention <laughs> it right. was right there right. all along absolutely so this one is always a tricky situation and you know my answer for it but mm. social media and freemasonry yeah and you know we kind of touched on it a little bit with your posts mm. you know mm. what, what are your thoughts there mm. because because it, when and I'm, I'm talking from my own experience yeah. when used correctly, mm. it can be a great vehicle. hundred percent. So what are you thinking? You know, um, we, we got to have it quite honestly, because we have, and, and when I say we, I, I directly mean people that, that, uh, you know, I've counted myself among, we have created this, we have created a society that is very, um, technologically connected sure and that technology has really taken on exactly the kind of life that we were hoping to create with that i mean you think about 
you know, your traditional, you think of the 1970s, 1980s computer guys, right? That the guys that I saw when I was growing up, I got into IT because Matthew Broderick hacked into NORAD right? oh, yeah, in, in right. war games, right? <laughs> so I knew about the nerds and, and those guys that weren't really socially acceptable. Um, you know, they kind of huddled off in, into their own thing. Well, we, yeah. we kind of built this because we were looking for something like that. Right. And society has, has grabbed hold of that. So uh, for an awful lot of our society, a large amount of our society, particularly here in the United States, yeah. that is what it means to be social. Now, I very much disagree with that. Sure. Right? There's something about the organic human experience that you're never going to replicate. No. Right? You're just not. And if we start talking about AI, we're going to be here for another two <laughs> hours, right? But, but that being said, um, we have to have it because a lot of times that's going to be the first place that they're going to find out. And either we shape the narrative or we let somebody else shape yes. it for us. Yes. So we have to be on social media. But, you know, here, here's the thing about social media. It's not enough just to be present. You have to be engaged. There's an expectation in social media and that's that there's somebody yeah. out there sure. that's going to respond. So what is our job with social media? Our job with social media is to be very present. Our job sure. is to be very visible. Our job is to provide that narrative and that method by which they can learn more about us. But even more importantly, it is our job at some point to become very organic about that relationship because it is my belief that we are also as Masons, and this is where we're going to get a little controversial. It is also our job as Masons to remove the restrictions of social media from humankind so that they relearn what it's like to have that organic relationship. Yeah. Listen, we saw it during COVID when we had to pivot to using online meeting technologies. Sure. What did we see when COVID finished? People forgot how to come back out again. Yeah. Tragedy. Right? That's just in two years. Look sure. at look at the trajectory of social media over all these years. You know, you one of the biggest ones was created to show faces uh, at a college and who was hot and who was not, yeah, right? I mean, I and, and now look many, at it. Many a, forget that. Right, right. Exactly. That's why I got a college email. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you could do that. Yeah. But but we, we do have to make that natural transition back to an organic and engaged humanity. So social media, very important. Yes, we have to sure. do it. But with with great power comes great responsibility, right? Let's Love let's it. let's call Love back, that. right? And and we we have got to be ready to take those individuals by the hand who may be very adept at being keyboard gangsters, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. But don't oh, realize God. that there are real consequences when you're standing in front of somebody and you begin to act the way you do when you have the protection of a keyboard and a screen yes. in front of you, yes. right? And so bringing them into that and and here's Jim, this is the hardest part of it. Trying to tell somebody that over social media will never, ever translate. No. It won't happen. Nope. At some point, there is a moment of bravery that has to take place. And yeah. we as Masons are failing. If an individual ever, an, an, a prospective candidate ever walks into our lodge and there aren't three people that won't leave that person alone. Yeah. Right? We have failed if we don't do that. Because if they come in here and they don't know anybody... And nobody is taking them by the hand or nobody is making them feel welcomed. 
not only are they not going to have the opportunity to 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 enjoy that amazing experience of Freemasonry, sure. they're going to go out to social media and they're yes. going to tell yes. their friends and their friends and their exactly. friends. Exactly, spider right? webs and a negative. It's a disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. So yes, got to have it, but got to be responsible with it. I love that. Yeah, absolutely love that. I was about to hit you with a Skynet question, <laughs> but now, but we're of gonna course, yeah, 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 that's right. You yeah. know, yeah, episode one hundred and seventy-five. <laughs> yeah, right. we'll, we'll think about it. Right, then. right. <laughs> so, the most important question mm. you may get asked mm. in your entire Masonic career: mm. points in or points out on the ring. Oh my goodness, that's it's a huge. great debate. It is. It is. If this is answered correctly, may solve all the problems. <laughs> you know, I, I've seen brothers really nasty at each other yes. over this thing. You know what? Um, I really think that it it comes down to the meaning that you get out of that. That's yes. why it's on your finger. For me, my preference is I like the points pointing toward me. Sure. And the reason I like the points, this is just my rationale, is to remind me that y you can't be a jerk, yeah. right? You need to stay within the lessons that that symbol sure. teach Masons, right? Those it. compasses. So, so when I look down at my hand, it needs to remind me, don't be a jerk, right? Yeah. Now, I know I also understand the other justification, which is, you know, put the points out because it, it you know, shows the world that you're a proud Freemason and tells you that you need to live an example. I get that too. I, yeah. I absolutely do. But there, there's something threatening about the business end of a pair of compasses pointing toward me, right? Telling me that, yeah. you know, you, you really need to, you know, it, sure. it's the same thing when you've got a Masonic bumper sticker on the back of your car. Please be careful on I-77 as to what fingers you're putting out the window, yes, right? Because you right? are representing the fraternity. But that, that's my preference. And I, I really do think it comes down to the brother and what their motivation is. Yeah. It. So, I'll there, take it either way. There, there's no, there's no wrong, and that's I love that's right. asking it because it's the same and different every time. Mine's yes, of course, and I have, mine's out. Yours is out, but yeah, it's, love it's to know only why. because yeah. I want to spread the light of masonry. That's why I do See? a podcast. I there want every single person. In my experience, it took mm. me ten years, yeah, to realize that I had to knock on the door. That's right, right. That's right, and whether that was divine intervention of, Hey, you weren't ready for masonry at this point or, right. you know, whatever it was, I still greedily want 10 more years of masonry oh, yeah, of because course. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So I want to give everyone that Avenue to say, Hey, this is, this is the, how, how mm. you move into this position, you know? Yeah, so of course. that's why yeah, I wear absolutely. it out and it's, there you go. Each his own. To I, me, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. I love it. And we, and you know, we kind of hit on this a little bit here, but mm. it's the elevator question, the real deal. Mm. I, I, I walk in and I'm like, Phil, what's the story with that square and compass on your chest? <sighs> yes. What, what, what is Freemasonry? Yeah. And, and that's, it's the question we're going to get. Yeah. And, and before I answer that. Sure. I, I would just remind that we talked that even when somebody starts the sentence with a what, they are asking a why. When somebody yeah. says, what's this Freemasonry, we need to hear it through the, the, uh, the filter of why are you wearing that and why do you spend your time? Yes. Because that's really what they're asking. Sure. Right? They just maybe aren't ready to articulate that. And so they ask yeah. in the easiest way, which is the what. Right. Now, how can a brother answer 
a what question with a why answer? How do you even start with that? The easiest way you can do that is when somebody asks you, what is that? Begin your response with, we believe. Because okay. we believe that's the closest thing you can get to a why, right? Yeah. So somebody comes to me and says, what is this? What's this Freemasonry thing? What do you yeah. wear these square encompasses? My response is, we believe that there is a divine spark inside of every man. Yeah. And we believe that there are certain social structures that can hamper that divine spark that can, that can make him feel like he can't express that. And so we believe that we need to provide a place where a man can come and he can leave the world behind, even if it's just for a moment. Yes. And that that man can be surrounded by men who, who are on that same journey. And it's, it becomes a safe place where that man can, can slowly begin to peel away all of the, 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 the societal, uh, restrictions that have bound him for his entire life the things that he has learned that are are patently false it's it, we create that safe space and and as he begins to tear that down we believe that we should surround that man yes. and we should we should begin to to foster his opportunity to rebuild and using things like ceremonies and and a, a, a culture and a shared language he slowly begins to, to grow. He, he starts to rise like a phoenix out of the ashes. Yeah. We believe we have to give him that opportunity to grow in a safe place and, and become the kind of man that soon becomes a, a man of consequence in his, in his society. He becomes a better father. He becomes a, a better member of his religious community. He becomes a better friend. We yeah. believe that every man has that divine spark. And if he is called, we believe that he should have the opportunity to find that place. Masonry is not for everybody. Yeah. But is it for you? Yeah. That is wow. how I would respond. You know, I think every time I, I, I ask that question, hmm. it's never the same. Of course you know, not. It couldn't be. No. You know? But it's always the best one I've heard. And that one, <laughs> you know, by, by far, because it's always, when you ask that question, mm. it's always a passionate, mm. you know, w reason. You yes. know, wh whether it's you, it's me, it's Jack Barnhouse, it's Tim Klein, yes. it's, yes. you know, Scott Clark. It's anybody that's passionate mm. can formulate it. But I love the different angle. Mm. that that takes mm. and it's one that i haven't heard mm. many times Understood. Or if ever i don't think you know yeah. and yeah. and i like that if you didn't see me taking the notes <laughs> i'm like okay you know <laughs> emulation is the best there you go right? so, yeah, but yeah. you know that's that's one of those things that you've heard all the way back you know probably every Masonic year, but I, I can remember sticking out with justice have your elevator speech ready yes that's it's, right they're gonna ask that's you right know, you gotta and to to bring it home like that mm. you know mm. you know not not hey I, it made me so much better it made me a better speaker you know yeah. the whole spiel yeah. well good for well, you what can yeah. it do that's right for you that's right you know that's right i really like that no good good yeah. yeah we we just we we have such a gift that that we've been given that has been passed down to us from 
hundreds and hundreds and, and please don't get me started on 1717, right? <laughs> We've been around longer than sure. that, but right. we have been given such an amazing gift and shame on us if we, if we squander it by turning it into something simple. I, 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 I guess I'll, I'll kind of close my elevator pitch yeah. uh, on this because a lot of times the elevator pitch includes things like famous Freemasons, right? We're oh, in a room yeah. right now with pictures of them around sure. us, right? Uh, and we have to ask our, ourselves, why did those individuals who are so busy in their lives make time for Freemasonry? They didn't make time for Freemasonry because there were famous people in it. They made time despite the fact that sure. they were founding a country like the man behind you did, right? Yeah, right. Or, or you know, was incredibly famous in movies like the other man that's, that's behind you. Why yeah. did he make time for this? My argument would be that there, there is something very profound within this fraternity that can't be encapsulated in dinners and, and social clubs and uh, yeah. events in the community. Those are things we do because we are Masons. They are not the essence of Masonry. Yeah. We have inherited something amazing. And it's only when you take that opportunity, each and every Mason takes that opportunity in quiet reflection to form his response, yeah. starting with, we believe that you really begin to tap into the essence of that. If you want to tell me, like I said at the outset, if you want to tell me that I'm crazy for being an esoteric Mason, I'm going to ask you in return to explain to me why at a period in the late 1870s, we started seeing a massive upswing in membership, certainly in the state of Ohio. Yeah. Why did that happen? And because we can't talk to the men that were there, we have to fall back to the only recourse we have, and that's to read the books that were published back then. And if you read those books, you're going to see something profound in this yeah. fraternity and all the things that formed it, all the things that shaped our ceremonies and shaped our, our culture. And then all of a sudden you're going to realize that all the strategic things that we do, yeah. they really fall away until you identify that underlying culture, that amazing inheritance that we have, focus on that and then create strategy accordingly. My fav one of my favorite quotes in the world by Peter Drucker, management consultant, worked with Ford Motor Company. Yeah. He said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You need to understand the gift that you have, the sacred flame inside of you, then build accordingly. And I think that's the key to it. That's great. Right, Warsaw, I can't tell you how much it means to me to finally get together. I know, mm. you know, schedules are, are crazy, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and give a little insight of your journey and what's to come for the brethren out there. Thank you for your labors. You know, it's, it's wonderful that you're doing what you're doing. You're painting an amazing picture for a society who has forgotten this amazing thing called Freemasonry, but not for long. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for all your work. Thank you again, my brother. And I want to thank all of you out there for listening, and we'll see you again.